0: The time has come. The time is now. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition as your boy BC quite literally steps off the plane from Las Vegas, puts on the headphones, and prepares for the injection of that unmistakable, irreplaceable performance-enhancing audio. Yes, the Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear. Just about ready to tag in my main man, King Muhammad mold the wall himself to recap all things UFC 226, including Daniel Cormier's historic victory and the pro wrestling theatrics of one Brock Lesnar. We will also run down the latest headlines around the sport. Yes, the boys are back in town. I back. Trust me. I back. But before we consummate this audio marriage, let me remind you today that if you hear something on the show that you like, If you see something, say something. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume FIME Audio. Give us that five-star review. That's what I'm talking about. Subscribe. Hey, maybe even jot down a nice little message about the show. It goes a lot farther than you may realize because, look, folks, this is a show each week. That is guaranteed to leave you impressed.
1: I'm not impressed by your performance.
0: Hey, Hey, and speaking of sports, right? If you want to get the best highlights and the biggest sports stories right in your inbox every single morning, you're going to need the CBS Sports HQ newsletter. You know CBS Sports HQ. It's that live 24-7 streaming network where you can see yours truly, BC, talking about big-time combat sports on a basically a daily basis there. But you're going to want to get the newsletter because it's packed with all the good stuff you need to see before you start your day. So when you wake up, the you're still under the covers, you check those DMs, right? I don't want to know what are in your DMs, but I want you to check your inbox for the CBS Sports HQ daily email. You want to find more information, you want to subscribe, here's what you're going to do. Head on over to cbsports.com slash daily. Tell him BC sent you. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I'm fired up right now to talk to my main man, King Mo. He's a tough dude. King Mo's a tough son of a bitch. That guy's all right with me. Yes, he is. He is. Uh, we're not going to do any of this.
1: You're playing touch butt with that
0: dork in the park. No, 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 Nate. no none of that stuff. None of that stuff. We are just ready. This show's good. It's, it smells good. It has a beautiful aroma that arouses me. Yes. All right. Enough of this nonsense. Hey, let's get to the show enjoy oh yeah he's the king of mma there is none higher hey sucker mc's king mo they're calling you sire we're back straight off uh, of ufc 226 south florida's own king mo, mo Wall. how is it my man oh man i'm
1: good man just chilling uh it's where they really talk about these fights, man.
0: That's what I'm talking about. I was cage side in Las Vegas over the weekend and wow, so much to unpack because so much happened. This was a good UFC card pretty much from start to finish. We had our, our typical wild craziness with, with fighters pulling out last minute, with Daniel Cormier tripping over a speaker, King Mo. Things got a little crazy there, but luckily the fights came off and we saw history. Daniel Cormier, first round knockout, first round knockout of Steepy Miocic to become just the fifth fighter in UFC history, to win two world titles in multiple divisions, to become just the second alongside Conor McGregor to do so simultaneously. King Mo, I don't even want to talk about Brock Lesnar for a while. Let's put that headline on the shelf because that almost happened too quickly where we didn't have enough time to just stop. And be like, did you just see what D.C. did? King Mo, nobody, nobody, despite the fact that you and I picked D.C. would pull the upset, could have predicted it the way it played out. you got to be surprised and fired up right now.
1: Well, I'm really surprised. I'm not surprised he won, but, you know, Daniel's good. I've known Daniel for a long time. He's a great athlete, great competitor. I knew he'd beat Stipe.
0: Right, but we were thinking fourth-round stoppage when the gas tank's empty. Unanimous decision when he uses the wrestling. King Bo, this was not like a freak victory. This was like clear and present. He walked in there. He took bombs. Let's not forget that part. He took bombs from Stipe. He also seemed to control distance so well that he was, you know, going back and forth left and right and, and kind of minimizing the damage of those bombs. But What's wrong with him? Could rolling with him, exactly. But I would never have guessed that he had the power. Now, that's that's an ignorant statement because this is heavyweight MMA, right? And there's a reason why Stipe was the first guy to defend the title three times because it's really hard to defend the title in heavyweight MMA. I just didn't think DC was going to bring that type of power. This was a robust, roly-poly version of DC who weighed more than Stipe coming in. Are you surprised at all that he walked down the bully and knocked him out?
1: Well, not really, because the thing is that when Dan, he has to walk him down. You no, know, he has a shorter reach, so he has to um, play cat and mouse a little bit. And when Daniel gets in the inside with the underhooks, that's what, that's what he caught Stipe with. It wasn't like a real powerful shot. It was a shot that Stipe never saw coming. It was like a right hook um, that came. It was a modified right hook. It was weird, but um, my underhook, Daniel's left underhook. When Stipe tried to swim out down to a right hook and just hit him right on his chin, Stipe never saw it coming. And those are shots that put people away. The shots you don't see coming, the ones that put you away.
0: Absolutely. So, Kingbo, this knockout came at 4 minutes and 33 seconds of round 1. Being perfectly honest with you, having having sat there in the second row next to the cage for the first three minutes of this fight, I thought DC was in trouble. He was getting hit clean. Outside of that eye poke that seemed to definitely hurt Stipe, I don't want to act like that didn't happen, outside of that... I was starting to form what was going to happen next in my mind, and it was Daniel Cormier getting stopped because every time he tried to clinch and maybe take the fight to the ground, Stipe was really looking strong. I can't break it down from a technical standpoint. Tell me what you saw, but I felt like any time DC tried to body him, pull him in close, and clinch, Stipe, Stipe was fielding that well. He was defending that well.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, he was defending it almost too well. He left the punches wide open for Daniel to get to get in the double thirty boxing, and that's what led to the knockout. You know, that's you interesting. it's um, you go for it, you go for it, you go for it, you go for it, and when you defend, 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 then you come with something else, and that's what Daniel did. Did
0: you did you have fears that he was going to get stopped by some of the punches he was eating?
1: Nah, nah. Because the thing is that I don't know. I was some uh, in the first round, a lot of times with the heavyweights, you know what I'm saying like, especially when you're feeling when you're filling things out and you're rolling with shots, if they look, it looks worse than what it really is.
0: I saw him sort of wearing down Stipe with jabs in a sneaky way. So if the fight was four minutes long, at about minute two and a half, three, I saw Stipe take a few jabs, take a few overhand rights, and I'm thinking, ooh, I didn't like that facial expression. Like he's like the damage is starting to add up. So this wasn't, in my mind, one punch that caught him out of nowhere and, and cleaned him out. I feel like DC was sort of systematically changing the flow, changing the momentum by landing some really big shots.
1: Yeah, he, he started breaking – started chipping away. Because the thing is, like, the shots are big, but they were not that big. They're fast. You know what I'm saying? They're big, but they're fast. And they start landing and landing and landing. And they they slowly chip away. And these were slowly – they weren't they were, they were weren't slowly, but they're chipping away faster than what people expected.
0: I mean, that moment – I mean, there's moments in MMA, right? The, uh, that, that card last year at MSG with the three title fights where all three ended in an upset. There were three straight moments. That's why we're saying that may have been the greatest card of all time. There was a moment here when DC finished him. John Annick, the, there's a great picture of John Annick leaping out of his chair as, as, of the, as the UFC announcer with his arms wide up as DC's just walking around like, wow, I, I was, I got caught up. I was like, like, not starstruck's not the right word, but it hit me right in the field spot, King Mo. For about th- 10 seconds, I'm sitting there going, I can't believe this happened. Again, not, can't believe that DC would win, but just this decisively, this demonstratively, a 39 year old, yes, I know, Heavyweights age later. I know Randy Couture essentially did this in his 40s, but did you have that kind of moment? Did you have that kind of like, holy crap, I'm never going to forget what I just saw?
1: Uh, no, I've seen Daniel do that plenty of times in my life. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not surprised.
0: I love it. I love it. King Mo, yeah, I've been in the gym with these guys. I've done this thing, King Mo. You don't like? You're not a big superlative historical guy. But this is one of the biggest wins in UFC history because, look, people lionize what Randy Couture did, what, 10 years ago, right? When he moved back up to heavyweight in his 40s, he beat Tim Sylvia over, you know, in in a really impressive performance. That He became Captain America to so many people in that fight. It was like, oh, my God, he was a folk hero. This is very similar to that. Only 10 years later, King Mo. MMA and specifically heavyweight MMA has really evolved so much. Stipe is a much more dangerous opponent right now than Tim Sylvia was ten years ago. This is one of the greatest single performances I've really ever seen. I mean, he took on a lot of danger to do this. I know he's unbeaten at heavyweight, but that was a a bunch of years ago. He put on the weight. He almost tripped over, you know, he tripped over a speaker two days before and had a swollen leg, and and I think that shifted a lot of people going, "Wow, wow, what's going to happen next?" Like. I'm not saying rank this win, but this has to be one of the most impressive things anyone's done in UFC history.
1: Yeah, um, I put that up there with maybe what John Jones did to Shogun, because you know, I, or what GSP did to Matt Hughes, or you know, I mean, the thing is like the the way history, the way MMA works is works so fast that right now it's sad because we're talking about my boy Daniel did. Daniel did great, but in about four or five months. The sad thing is, MMA works so fast; people forget about this and come to something else. Four or five months, King Mo.
0: Four or five minutes, people forgot about this. The second Brock Lesnar came in the
1: cage, yeah, yeah. And that's 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 the thing. Like you know, that's the thing. Like I wish, like the whole thing with Brock was, yeah, it was entertaining because the casual fan will think that it's real, but you could tell me knowing Daniel and just seeing how everything was, I could tell that it was kind of you know not stays on Daniel's side but more stays on Brock's side and the UFC
0: yes, side. Yes. Yes. I I want to dive deep into that in a second to to close on Daniel what this means what he's done. Uh King Mo, before the fight DC said, "Look, Stepe is the baddest man on the planet. If I go in there and beat him, I'm the greatest fighter of all time." But I'm not not a lot of people were willing to give him that. I'm not willing to give him that. I will say this performance is so bold, so incredibly impressive. That he does join that upper room. He's now seated at the table with the likes of GSP, Anderson Silva, John Jones, Demetrius Johnson, maybe Fedor. If there's another name somebody else prefers, that's fine. It's a very select group. I say DC is now yes in that conversation. And I say King Mo, he makes the conversation a little more difficult than before because of the USADA stuff. He said leading into the fight, Anderson Silva and John Jones are greats, right? They both have multiple drug situations against them. I want to be in that category with GSP and Mighty Mouse where it's clean. Uh, Look, uh, PEDs is a tough thing. You're either going to believe everybody's on it or you're going to try to stay naive and be like only a couple guys are on it. Wherever you fit into that, DC doesn't have any strikes against him. This feels like he is now at that table. And he might have one up on John Jones because he doesn't have these question marks following him.
1: True or false on that? uh it depends on it depends on how strong of a um um mma fan you are you know say if you're a hardcore you're gonna hold against you but the thing is the hardcore fan fan base is a lot smaller than the casual fan base so the casual fan base is gonna forget about it and the thing is the fact that you didn't mention bj penn might anger some people too because bj penn at one point was considered one of the greatest fighters you know of 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 all time but see the thing is that mma moves so fast people forgot about him already Well, then, here's
0: the key part of the DC legacy I want to hear you comment on. So, he was destined to be a bridesmaid, right? Like, NCAA championships, Olympics, he always came up second. His biggest rival, John Jones, he always came up second, lost twice. I know one of them's no contest. We would, we said, look, he was going to be a Hall of Famer, he's that good, we all know that. But we were always destined to say, this guy has a John Jones size hole. In his resume, right? Unless he finally goes back and beats John Jones, he's always going to be one step behind. I think the Stipe win, the titles in two divisions, and the way he did it is the only thing he could have done to remove the John Jones hole without actually beating John Jones. Is that a fair statement?
1: Uh, yeah. It, it's, it just depends, man, because the way things are working with Usada, Brock Lesnar's back in the pool. No one knows when he got back in the pool. Um, the whole thing with John Jones is weird because if John Jones. Beats this, beats this whole thing, then really what happens then?
0: Then we need to see Daniel's that fight. Going. I think you're right. Then we got to see DC D. John Jones 3, and I want to see it at heavyweight, by the way. Do you think it matters which weight it's at? Uh,
1: no, because Dan will be ready and Jones will be ready too. The thing is, Jones cuts a lot of weight to make 205, Dan cuts a lot of weight to make 205, so I think it'll be a good fight either way, either weight class, to be honest with you. All
0: right. So I'm emotional from this win because DC was so impressive and it was great. But do you actually believe that DC is better as a heavyweight fighter, considering the advantages that he has against bigger guys with less large gas tanks, than he is at 205? Do you think there's a a, a difference there?
1: Uh, nah, it just depends on who the opponent is. It always depends on who the opponent is, because say the fight Kane, then he had to fight different, because Kane's gas tank is good and Kane, Kane's quick. You know what I'm saying? Well, let's say he was to fight someone like Verdum, then he had to be definitely standing. and He couldn't risk going to the ground way really too much. So, but then at 205, there aren't too many guys with that style. Only person I can think of that has a good gas tank at 205 really can go is Gustafson. You know what I'm saying? For five rounds. And John Jones, but John Jones is out right now. is there. At 205 at heavyweight, not too many great jujitsu guys at 205 at heavyweight. So really it depends on who you match him up with and when. You know what I'm saying? Because he's good at both weight classes and me.
0: He says that uh, Dana White didn't commit after the fight, by the way, on stripping DC. He said he's willing to kind of – which is weird, right? Because they, they stripped Connor pretty quick when he went two belts. DC company man, they're sort of giving him a little bit more of a leash. DC says, I want to defend next at 205 because he's going to have to wait out Brock. We're going to get to Brock in a second. But he said, I only want to fight at 205 for money fights. He's like, Vulcan doesn't – those guys like that don't do anything for me. He said, last time I fought Gustafson, I didn't make any money. It was a tough fight, but I didn't make any money. He said he would only fight Gustafson if Alexander came back and destroyed somebody and made it look good. Outside of that, there's not a lot of names at 205, right? Like, there's there's not a lot of big matchups that we have to see. So that's going to be interesting where he goes from there. Where he wants to go from here is obviously Brock Lesnar. Like, yeah, that whole thing was pro wrestling. It was staged and it was corny. You're right. It will hook the casual fans and it has hooked the casual fans. There's a casual fan part of my heart that it hooked. Of course, I'm a pro wrestling and MMA journalist. I love carnival crap. Of course, I want to see this fight, King Mo. But man, are we looking past and leaping right over the giant USADA-sized elephant in the cage, so to speak, right? How the heck in this world, even in this world where UFC is more entertainment than sport, yes, of course it is. Can we justify Brock Lesnar getting a title shot right now? Please try to justify this for me. In any world, what planet are we on, where Brock Lesnar, who just failed a steroid test and hasn't even finished the suspension, should be lining up for
1: a title shot right now? Well, let me ask you these questions. Look at who the UFC signed over over the past few years. How kind of many cards they've had over the past few years? Look at you know think about this like Mickey Gall and yeah Mickey Gall and a uh, CM Punk. CM, they signed CM Punk who's who was green. They're doing things for money. They know Brock. Look, look, we saw Brock Lesnar's last fight versus Mark Hunt. If they were to air that today, people would be like, you know what? I'm not too interested in watching Daniel fight Brock Lesnar. But the fact of the matter is, that's entertainment, so they brought Brock in the cage to push Daniel. Daniel said some stuff. The crowd got hype, and now the crowd forgot about how Brock really fights, and they remember what Daniel can do. As it gets closer and closer to the fight time, it's gonna be hard to sell that fight. To be honest with you. You can't show Brock fighting. You have to show Brock just walking and manhandling people. You have to show <laughs> old highlights. You can't show his fight versus Mark Hunt. You can't show nothing you can't show his fight versus oberine. I wouldn't even show the the Shane Carlin fight. It's just that Brock is not a fighter. Brock is more like a um a white bob sap that can fight a little bit.
0: Oh my God, that is perfect. King Mo. And especially this version of Brock, right? Forty years old, and especially if he uh, comes in and has to come in clean, if the USADA testing is stringent. DC, by the way, after the fight, said, not only do I want USADA, I'll pay out of my pocket for other drug testing. I think he's talking about VADA, potentially. He's like, that happens in boxing. He's like, I love USADA. They've been good to me, but I want to pay for every inch. So if Brock at 40 is coming in,
1: not on the juice, you're right. He's white Bob Sapp a million percent. And another thing is, let's let's think about this. When is the USADA contract up with the UFC? Hmm. When's it up? I don't know. This year? Next year? Should be pretty soon.
0: They are so – so UFC as a whole is being so sketchy. Journalists have been reaching out for months saying, like, what's the Lesnar situation? How much time does he have left? Does he have six months left on the USADA suspension? Is he in the testing pool? And their answers on it have been noncommittal. And even White's answers at the press conference afterwards where thank you to all the journalists along with myself who did push both DC and Dana. You know, here's what White said quote, the process has started. They started the process last week. I don't know how far they are in the process, but Brock is going to pop up on the board, meaning you the USADA website, you know, soon enough. And anytime he was pushed more, he said, I don't, I have no idea. Don't ask me. No, Dana, we have to ask you. You're the damn president of the UFC. The fact that you're playing this wishy-washy game of telling, not telling us how long Brock has left, not telling us, has he started the process? When did he start it? Because, King Mo, the fear is, of course, that they're gonna come out and be like, no guys, Brock, uh, started testing three months ago. So that means that he can be eligible to fight in three months. Like, you, it's all BS. I feel like UFC and USADA, when they act like this, it makes it feel like this is a sketchy
1: marriage. Well, I think, I think USADA might be a little bit sketchy as a whole. You know, Lance Armstrong said it years ago, remember that? He was like, that no whiskey guys, you know, he's blah, 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 blah. Well, now you got like, John Jones, you've heard this about the John Jones thing. You haven't heard this about the Brock thing. You know, um, you know, the UFC try to make money, you know what I'm saying? So obviously they're going to do that for a reason. not going to knock them. It's just what they're doing.
0: Well, people forget, Kimo, even though USADA, since signing with UFC, has nailed a bunch of guys, USADA had a horrific reputation with boxing before the UFC deal, right? Vada was the one that was deemed untouchable because they did the extra-level test, the hair follicle, all that crap.
1: Well, well but, here's, but here's the thing, though. Um... Why does that test? But the use side is the biological passport test. So what they do is when they test you, they, they keep track of all your records and all your, all your base levels. And if they see anything out of whack, say they don't, say you don't get popped. They can't, they test you and you do nothing pops up, but your biological passport is different because it happened when the girls in Houston years ago, remember she, she got popped for like, um, an extra testosterone molecule, even though it was naturally occurring in her body or something like that. And it messed up. Remember it happened like last year. Well, um, verse, uh, verse. Just the Aguilar. Yes. You know saying? And but um the thing is that they do a bio it's it's a biological passport. They take they track your levels as as um as they test you through the blood work. But then you saw does the C R the C I R testing, the um for the testosterone and stuff like that, but they're both pretty much the same, it's just that Vada is uh seems more neutral.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because, look, you USADA had a reputation of being owned by guys like Floyd Mayweather who had the Boy. money, who could dictate their own testing times and could get that I- exemption like he did against Pacquiao after the fact for the illegal IV bag. Like, There's all these, like, it doesn't have a great reputation. So here's the thing. I don't want to spoil the fun because do I want to see DC Brock and have that event move 1.7 million pay-per-view buys? Of course. I want to be there when it happens, yes. But uh, so you're if you want to ask me, what do I want them, What would make me happy? It would make me happy if... Dana was a little more honest. If they just addressed things, if Brock was forced to do interviews to talk, I mean, guys, he, uh, any guys, meaning everyone listening, King Mo, when Brock failed that test, unlike Jones and everyone else, he didn't even, like, give an excuse. It's not like, Jones, whether you think he's guilty or not, is at least rolling out consistent excuses. Brock didn't even care. He just took the money and ran. So now he's going to be rewarded with another big payday and a title shot. And Dana got pushed a second time at the press conference after the fight, and he says, quote, People are going to criticize us no matter what we do. Yeah, Dana, of course they will because this is a, this is like such a sketchy but, move. And then he said, "You yeah, go
1: ahead." What they should what they should do is they should give Curtis Blades or Derek Lewis a shot versus Brock first. That's Brock the thing. Win, then letting them fight down because the thing is that you get Brock has fought what two years?
0: He hasn't fought in two years and he didn't fight for five years before that. So I'm not saying you have to be like life and death with the divisional rankings because in the end, who cares? Kimo, it's, you're right. It's a business. It's a pay per view business. But if there's something that would make me happy, because look, Chael Sonnen failed the steroid test and ended up getting another title shot, right? Vitor Belfort was on drugs and ended up getting another title shot. I'm not saying Brock could never fight for a title again, but you just nailed it. What would make me happy? Yes, an in-between fight, uh, a get-well fight. He would need a win in my eyes, not a steroid-induced win, a win to be eligible for a title shot. Because here's what Dana said, quote, Brock came in and he popped for that thing. That thing is a steroid test that he failed, but he beat Mark Hunt, who was one of the top guys and a former world champion, and it's a fight people want to see, end quote. Hey, Dana, he beat Mark Hunt because he was on the juice. Well,
1: was Mark Hunt... Mark Hunt was never a former world champion. I, he's spelled, like, he
0: referencing Pride. Was he, was he a Pride yeah. champion? Well,
1: no, no, no. He was a K... No, not even a K-1 champion. Not even a K-1 champion. He well, won K-1
0: tournaments. And Mark Hunt's career record, and I love Mark Hunt. This is not an anti-Mark Hunt stance, but... Mark Hunt's career record is 13-12-1. So stop. Stop it. Stop the madness, okay? Yeah, you're right. He lost to Fedor for the Pride Heavyweight Championship. He never won even an interim belt in the UFC. Ah. He
1: he was a K-1 tournament champion. He never won the K-1 belt either.
0: I just want somebody to be honest. So I personally pressed DC after the fight, all right, because in the lead-up to the fight, DC was on this podcast. He said, John Jones does not deserve a platform. He's like Lance Armstrong. Why would I let that guy talk? At the press conference, DC, they said, Daniel, do you have to fight Jones? Does it mean something to you? He says, Jones doesn't deserve to fight me. He goes, I would if the situation's right, but Jones doesn't deserve to fight me. I raise my hand. They give me the microphone. I go, DC, I don't want to take away your Brock payday. You deserve it. But there's a crazy moral dilemma here. How can you say Jones doesn't deserve it, but Brock just failed the test, and you're ready to welcome him into a title shot? And DC basically said, "We are living in my world now, so I dictate the rules." Plus, I really don't—I just don't like John Jones. End quote. You're, are you okay with that response from Daniel? He's a little bit more direct than than Dana is, at least. But it's still a—it's uh, still—it is what it is. Daniel loves money, of course. He's happy this Brock thing happened.
1: Yeah, it's entertainment.
0: Of course. And it, Chase the money. Somebody asked him about the whole like staged pro, pro wrestling of it and his, his response was staged. We're idiots. Fine. Stay broke. So look, I get where DC's coming from, but I need an, I need a better answer from DC in that spot too. I all just, right, wait, wait, wait. I'll, go somebody's got to be honest. Here's all I'm saying. Somebody's got to be honest and say, yes, Brock Lesnar's getting preferential treatment because he moves product. Is that what you want to hear, Campbell? Yes, that's what I want to hear. I want Dana White to look in the microphone and say, Brock failing that test is deplorable. It's bad for our sport. Cause he doesn't say that chemo. He says that about John Jones.
1: He doesn't say that about Brock Lesnar though. Yeah. Cause Brock Lesnar, made a bigger, bigger draw than John Jones. Joseph. John Jones is a bigger star, but Brock Lesnar is a bigger draw. So. And, and this
0: is just three days after Dana gave an interview with Kevin Ioli of Yahoo, where Kevin said, Hey, look, what are you, you going to punish Connor for the 223 incident? Dana says, no, we're going to let the law, the, the you know Brooklyn, New York courts deal with it. We're not going to punish him anymore because he's going to be fined so much. He's going to be punished on his own. Like, King Mo,
1: do you know the, the precedent here that they're sending? There's no – No, but, but but here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Right? I respect you as a, as a as a journalist because you keep it real. Guys like Kevin Ioli, I can't stand he's – he's a clown. He don't know what he's talking about. Like he's gonna sit there, like Daniel White, just say that to him and not even like really try to push back, because he's in. The, he's in with the UFC. I think they own him or something. Because you never hear him say anything bad about the UFC. You never really see him push anybody in the UFC. Guys like that work for him and they they're just there to make the UFC like look better than what they really are. Guys like you, on the other hand, like in the long run, you have to kind of watch what you say because they might try to push back on you and push back at you. You're just too real, maybe. I don't. Know.
0: I'm. Not, I'm not trying to be too. I'm trying to be honest. And the honest fact here is, in the same week, Brock Lesnar got rewarded for a failed steroid test, and Dana White said publicly, Connor will not be reprimanded by the promotion or even fined by the promotion for attacking a bus filled with athletes that somebody could have lost their life or career. And, and if anyone that says that's too dramatic, like. Imagine sitting in front of a window and having somebody throw something through it, right? Like, this is pretty dramatic, what happened. I don't want to stay on this for too long. I I always go down this road. I'm just saying, it's bad. It's shameless. I don't expect UFC to be different in the long run because the goal is to cash checks. But I do expect a little bit more, like... If you're going to wine and dine and steal my wallet out of my back pocket, like at least take me to second base first. At least, you know what I'm saying? Like at least
1: like just do it. A, There's a little bit. Uh, uh, you mean some honesty at least. You yeah, want some a honesty. little bit sure. of honesty there. That would be nice. But,
0: anyway, King Bo, Brock has no chance against DC, right?
1: Brock hasn't, Brock ain't beating a lot of people, but he's, he's making a lot of money for the UFC.
0: All right, where does Stipe go from here in your eyes? Because I don't want to just forget that he just had a really nice title reign. And he started to look like the guy who maybe couldn't be beat at heavyweight. Obviously, that's a, a bad statement because anybody can get beat at any time at heavyweight. Do you think that guy will ever wear the title
1: again? Nah, no. I think he was good, but I'm be real with you. I think that he was there to get beat. I think Can would have beat him. I think Dos Santos, Dos Santos, look, the problem with Dos Santos could have beat him. It's just that Dos Santos lost his mind and started going backwards when he had him hurt. Berdoom could have beat him, but Berdoom ran him. It's just that Steve A. Steak and got the W's. Over Emo, over yeah, over yeah, I guess even, yeah, even over him, but like, you know, you know, he had good wins, but I think that Daniel, I think Daniel, I think Daniel was good, was, was going to beat him. I, hell, I think that i even maybe if John, John John Jones could get him, you know, there are there are quite a few people out there. You know, what I'm saying even I think Augustusen, a big Augustuson, if he could put out another ten, twenty, twenty, twenty pounds, he'd be he'd be solid. Check like that Rumble. A lot of guys at two hundred five could go up to heavyweight and have success, depending yeah. on who they fight. They fight someone wild like Derrick Lewis. Or Ngannou, they might have problems then. Cause they might have the strength to deal with him, control him. But someone like Stipe, who's more controlled and not as wild, they could probably outpoint him or beat him. I, I
0: still think though, Kane is the best heavyweight. I still think that. I still think that he's the best heavyweight in UFC history on a talent standpoint. And I hope he gets the chance to have one more run. I really do.
1: I think that, I think he might have been the best, but I think Verdun just, like, it's like Willie Pep. Willie Pep's arch rival was Sandy Sadler. And I think that Verdum's – I will always have Kane's number off of style. Really? Really? I'm tell you, because think about this. What's Kane going to do? Take him down? Then what? Verdum could take Kane down. Verdum could kick with Kane. Verdum can jab, and, can jab, can out jab Kane. If you look at if you watch the fight when they fought Mexico City, I told people, I was like, I don't think this is a good fight for Kane because what's Kane going to do on the ground? And I told everybody at the gym, I was like, Kane will be able to. Won't be able to ground and pound Verdun because Verdun's too solid. And no one believed me. And look what happened.
0: All right, King Mo. Well, the curse of International Fight Week was real in the sense that for the ninth straight year that UFC was putting on a giant card in Las Vegas the first weekend of July, either the main or co-main event that was originally scheduled fell apart. It was a surprise late Wednesday night when Max Holloway was forced to pull out of that featherweight title defense against Brian Ortega. There's another story to this. I mean, we hope Max is going to be okay, but he's going to have to go through some serious testing because he didn't look, he didn't sound well in interviews and shout out to Michael Bisping on FS1 for sort of calling him out on the air. Now they're not really sure when he'll be back. Daniel White said, I need him to go to the Mayo Clinic. It's not going to be like he'll be back next month. Like this could be a long road ahead. Uh, we don't, we don't have his medical records. We can't comment too deeply on it, but how concerning is this for a guy who's in his prime, a pound for pound guy on such a hot run to, have to pull out of the third straight fight, but have such a medical scare like this.
1: Uh man, I don't know what to say. I just hope that um he is okay. I hope it's nothing too serious. Um, I don't know. I, I heard he has like walking concussion syndrome or something like that. Or you know, that's crazy, man. Being so young, I hope that um all is well with them. I hope they can fix that issue.
0: Were you okay with the business decision made by Brian Ortega? Because, of course, UFC tried to rally and put together a suitable fight. And it came down to this. Frankie Edgar said he would go. He wasn't medically cleared. Jeremy Stevens was blowing up Dana White's cell phone saying, I want to fight now. Interim title, let's do it. Dana White came to Ortega and said, look, we got Jeremy Stevens. We'll put the interim title on you. Winner will fight Holloway. Ortega stood firm and said, no, I'm going to wait for Max. What do you feel about that?
1: Hey, he has the right to do what he wants to do. You know, he could have saved the car, but you know what? When does the UFC actually looked out for the fighters? It's fair. Fighters, fighters look out for themselves first. So, you know, he did, he looked out for himself first, and my hat's off to him for doing that.
0: And you know what? If Max can't go, then next month maybe we'll see Ortega against Stevens or someone else for the interim or full title. Like, we don't know what's going to happen with Max, so we'll see. Yeah, you. but here's the problem.
1: Like, another interim belt. If anything, if Max is hurt, they should strip Max. You know what I'm saying? Let's be real. Like, how many interim Belts will they have in the UFC?
0: <laughs> Come on, man. A gluttonous about it. it's just absurd at this point. I mean, uh, there's an interim welterweight title for no reason. Anyway, King, well, let me move on to the co-main event. It's worth talking about how this was the worst fight anyone's ever seen. It 100 uh, percent was Derek Lewis Francis Ngannou. We thought it might go 30 seconds when Lewis pushed Francis at the ceremonial weigh-in on Friday. It really got everybody to wake up and be like, "Man, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be a brawl." It was the worst fight of all time. Who do you blame more?
1: Uh, honestly, like I'm going to be real with you. I missed that fight, actually. Good. Because I, I, but um, I know who I blame? I blame the UFC. Wow. How come? Well, the thing is, Ngannou just lost a five-round fight. Why don't you give him a soft touch to get his confidence up so he can go back out there and bang again? You know, sometimes if a guy loses the top fight, like, give him a soft touch. That's what. That's probably the MMA. No one really gets soft touches no more. Sometimes you gotta give a, guy a soft touch and throw him back in there. Derek Lewis is not a soft touch, and I, threw, I thought Derek Lewis was gonna win anyway because Ngana is just way too green. He doesn't know what he's doing. He got he got thrown to the wolves way too fast, and now he might be ruined because like he was with Dewey, Dewey Cooper. I he mean, was with Dewey Cooper, not with Dewey no more. Now he's with who knows who. Well, and he's bounced around, so I don't know. He
0: looked really good by the way. He Came in ten pounds lighter than he did than he was against Stipe. So he came in at like two fifty three, and he looked ripped. He looked amazing. And Lewis, had after the fight, talked about how he had a really bad... I hate when this happens, Kimo. I hate when a fight gets you really excited. Then after the fact, somebody's like, well, I was really, really hurt. It's like Sergio Martinez against Miguel Cota. Remember that time for the middleweight yeah. title, Madison Square Garden? Cota, uh, Sergio couldn't even stand up. He got knocked all over the ring. And afterwards, fans are like, well, then why were you in the fight? So, hey, Derek Lewis, not that I wanted to see that fight pull out, right? Because we just lost the other co event. But if your back is that bad, why are we
1: having this fight? Who, who was it? Derek, or Nganu? Derek Lewis or Ingunu? Derek Lewis had the bad back. Yeah, but Derek Lewis's back—if you watch all his fights, you can see it in his movement, in his back. Back—it's been like that for the past for the past uh, for the past few um, few fights. If you look in his movement, you can see that his back has been messed up. Now, going back to Ingunu, he has the looks, he has the size, the athleticism, but what he lacks is the experience and the skills. And Ghana needs to come to American top team and come train with us or get with AKA or get with a team because then they can work on his grappling, work on his wrestling, work on his conditioning, work on his striking, work on his fight IQ. Because that's one thing, if you watch fights, that's one thing a lot of these fighters lack is the fight IQ. You see them boxing, you see them kickboxing, but MMA, a lot of times it it just is gone. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of the guys out there, you see a lot of guys that a lot of guys' organizations are fighting are signing, are green. They have no idea what they're doing. So they're going out there just fighting just to fight. And uh, a lot of these guys that you see fighting just to fight have no true team. You need a team around you. That's what hurt Ronda Rousey. Yes. Ronda Rousey didn't have a true team. She just had a coach and a few other people that would do some things. But really, no true team. That, that's
0: very fair. So here's the comments Dana had about Ben afterwards. And a lot of people are talking about this. Dana says, quote, I thought Francis was going to be the next guy. I think his ego ran away with him big time. I can tell you that his ego absolutely did run away with him, and the minute that happens to you in the fight game, you see what happens. You start to fall apart. I had some personal encounters with Ngannou, as did other people in the organization, and this guy's ego just was so out of control. Asked to go further, Dana said that after Francis beat Overeem, he ran off to France and didn't train for the Stipe fight. So King Mo, the reason why this is under fire is because everybody's like, Hey Dana, you built up Inganu to be the next Tyson. Exactly. Titan.
1: Here's my thing. Here's my thing, right? Like Dana White was hyping up Inganu, right? He created this monster. Dana, just like another monster he created in Conor McGregor. It's funny how he wants to bash Inganu, but not saying nothing bad about Conor McGregor. Ego, that's the Here's the thing. I don't want to go in the race thing or this and that. but that's my problem with with the UFC and with MMA as a whole. Sometimes because I, t- I feel like sometimes they tend to get on people of color sometimes in a different way, and then just let, let everybody else slide. Paul Daly. um, you got Ngannou. It's like it's like out out. John John. Right, let me this ask you the I, race
0: question like this. Let me ask you like this. Do promoters yeah. like Dana White think the only way to to actually make money off of av- an African American fighter is to villainize them? Seeing what had happened to Mayweather, even Muhammad Ali's beloved now, wasn't beloved on his rise, right? Had to be controversial to get that famous. Are we still in that Stone Age mentality for white promoters where they look at a promising black guy and they say, I got to make him a villain, a public enemy, or I can't sell him?
1: Uh, yeah, it's, they're trying to break it, but yeah, because you think about it, right? Sheree Leonard was liked. You know what I'm saying? People give like, a select few. Daniel wasn't like though. Daniel's still, he's like now, but still iffy. You know what I'm saying? John Jones. It's iffy. Tyron Woodley hated. Um you look at boxing, Andre Ward, great fighter, not a good draw. Roy Jones, great fighter, not a big draw. Terrence Crawford, great fighter, not a big draw unless, it's in, unless where he's from because they're nice guys. Same thing with Errol Spence. But Errol Spence, might, Errol Spence might be the one to change that. Same thing with Hurd. You know what I'm saying? You're starting to see even Andre Ward, Andre Ward, Timothy Bradley. I remember talking to Andre Ward, and Andre Ward said, Mo, I will not be a villain because that's not who I am. And with me, I'm not a villain, but sometimes I'm looked at as one just because I'm outgoing and I'll talk. That's it. I'm not there to disrespect nobody, but sometimes I feel like if you want to get more money on an African American and you don't know how to promote him, you have to you have to push him as a villain for some reason. That's how it's always been. Brash, cocky. You know, that's what they always say athletic, brash, cocky. It's what they say about every black fighter, it seems like.
0: Because I don't want to – you know, I don't want to – like you said, I don't want to go down the the race road, but – and I don't want to force you down that road, but I do want to say this publicly. Like I said a couple minutes ago, Conor McGregor and Brock Lesnar not in trouble in Dana White's eyes. Yeah. Francis Ngannou, oh, he's got an ego problem. Uh John Jones, oh, I'll never promote him again in the main event. The guy ruined his career. And by the way, if, uh, yeah, John Jones did ruin his career. But I'm saying
1: hey, – Well, Paul – don't fix it, Paul Daly – don't forget, um, don't forget, uh, Paul Daley miss um, Paul Daly's thing, um, Rumble Johnson, like when Rumble missed weight, but there, there have been many guys that missed weight, you know what I'm saying? But he bashed Rumble. I, I think, and it, it, don't, it don't help that he's in with Trump. It don't help that he's like true. a, like a, um, like a true conservative, and he's from Boston, cause I'm, I'm like, I'm not trying to say anything about Dan, but like Boston isn't a place of black people to go to, you know what I'm saying? Dan White's conservative. Like Dan White's friends, all his black friends are like rich black folks. I, I can't name a, I can't name a normal person that normal black man he's been around. And if they're all athletes. They're all it's like, they're all it's like all black folks that he's around tend to be elite. They have to be elite for them to be around them. And I don't think he means to do it on purpose. I just think that that's just the business that he's in. Yeah. Think about this in the UFC, the most powerful black man in the UFC over the past few years that's not that 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 wasn't that wasn't a fighter was Burt Watson, who's a pretty much I love Burt. But they had him as a babysitter. Yeah. Burt Watson, who's known in boxing. These Think are
0: fair comments, him. King Mo. I mean, look at the way Woodley is handled by Dana. These are fair comments. I, 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 we'll leave it there, but it, it's interesting. Yeah. It's worth thinking about because uh, Dana afterwards, interesting though, Dana had nothing bad to say about Derek Lewis. When the reality is on that fight, it sucked. And it sucked because neither man was willing to take the lead and take a chance Knowing that there's power on the other side. Both were trying to essentially be the counterpuncher. Nobody took the lead. And somehow afterwards, Dana's like, well, Derek Lewis was fine, but it's Engano's fault. So I just didn't like that. And so, that's because, not a white-black thing, obviously, but and, I'm so, saying like. So, so a
1: thing, I think the more than anything, Dana's white's cool with, he's cool with Dewey Cooper. He must have been mad with Engano uh, leaving Dewey Cooper. Cause well, let's be real. Engano should never left Dewey Cooper. Um, Dewey's a nice guy, great coach, world-class. I, I've known Dewey for years. Um, I think that maybe Ngannou should stay with him and kept on building on what Dewey is working on. It made no sense for him to leave, to leave Dewey and go to a new coach and then try to beat another top ranked heavyweight under a new system. It doesn't work like that. A lot of times when you change camps, you take two or three steps back so you can move forward because you're learning a whole new system, new training partners, new everything. And um, from how it sounds, it seems like maybe Ngannou might be coaching himself. That's, That's why you haven't seen. That's why you haven't seen too much of a prog- too much progress. If you look at his fights, you look at his fights since when he first got to the UFC, you see that he's just out there fighting. You don't see any type, I don't see a jab. I don't see him slipping punches. I don't see him shooting takedowns. He's just out there fighting off of just natural, natural feel. Derrick Lewis, I can see him setting things up once while he comes forward, he'll faint, he'll throw a jab, like he'll throw a kick, but I see him trying things and setting things up. I don't see that with Ngannou. And Gano just, uh, he's a, a true hammer. He sees a nail. He's like, oh, I'm going to try to get it in there any way I can. Even if it's not up and down, it can be sideways. He'll try to hammer it in. We needs to be put up and down to be hammered in. And Gano just tries to force things in there and make things work. That's why when you, he when you fought over him, the uppercut he threw was nasty. But at the same time, he threw it for no reason. Because he just threw it. It was a smash. He just threw it. Usually the uppercut's a punch you read when a guy dips down or stays there. He throw it. And Donald just threw an uppercut for no reason. It landed. It happened to land. It looked great. I hope he gets the
0: right matchmaking that gives him a chance to come back, rebuild his name, evolve, not just, like, go out there against, like, Verdum next and get exposed. Although that would be a fun fight to watch. But we'll we'll see what happens on there. Kimo, I want to get your thoughts on this welterweight fight. Mike Perry, Paul Felder. The story coming out of this is, oh, my God, Paul Felder is a freak. And he is, by the way. He fought through a broken arm a really bad cut over his right eye and a cut on his hairline and he went the distance still trying to win. And afterwards he posted that he was in the uh, emergency room at the Vegas hospital and nobody was even dealt with him for hours. That's all. That's a side story. Whatever. The story should be Mike Perry fought like a maniac and walked him down the whole fight. Very impressive performance. I know Felder was coming up in weight, but Felder was the bigger guy in there and Perry
1: coming off a two fight losing skid. This was a breakthrough performance. Well, Felder was a bigger guy, off size, But off of overall strength. Because it's like this, even with, even when I fight, I'm small, but I feel like sometimes I'm the bigger guy. Because if I grab someone, I feel like I can, you know, I can make them, I can move them. Like I won't get bossed around and pushed around. Um, Paul Felder was a bigger guy, but really a smaller guy because he's used to fighting smaller guys. Where, um, well, Platinum, Mr. Platinum, Mike Perry, um, he's a big, he's a he's an animal. You know what I'm saying? He's strong. He's I feel like he knew he was stronger. Um. And he went out there and showed it, you know what I'm saying?
0: It was a split decision, which I, I had a big time problem with some of the judging on the on the tough card on Friday night on the this, yeah. you just shake your head, but hey, Paul Felder came to win, man. I mean I, he lost the fight, he lost the fight cleanly in my eyes. I can't say anything negative about him. he fought through a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you know, a tough guy. I hope this fight didn't ruin him because you know a lot of injuries. I hope he, can, he hope he heals up fast, he'd come back and uh, get that w.
0: All right, a lightweight bout. Michael Chiesa missed weight, a pound and a half over, says he's done at lightweight. He went in there against Anthony Pettis, and it looked like King Mo. Tell me if I got fooled. It looked like the Showtime of old. I'm not ready to put him back on a Wheaties box, but I was very happy for Pettis, who has alternated wins and losses going back his last five fights, finally looked like the mixture of submission mindset with the striking that he's known for and the confidence was there. This was a really strong performance, second-round submission via triangle armbar. Your thoughts?
1: Quick question. Um, Where did he do his camp after this? I, I don't have that answer in front of me. Yeah, because, see, if he did his camp at Greg Jackson's camp, because remember, he spent time at Greg Jackson's camp over the past two fights. The past two fights. Well, maybe this blend of going between Rufus and uh, and uh, Jackson is finally paying off. It's finally catching up because, really, he looked bad the past few fights he's tried to find answers so he went to Greg Jackson's and he looked bad then tried to work on his takedown defense and i think maybe now that mixture that blend between two different camps might be paying off now That's and two, uh, and two, kiesa like let's be real like um this last time we saw him fight he looked that he didn't look that good either so this is a
0: bad run you know. for kiesa cuz remember that submission loss to kevin lee that was a little controversial yeah. then he pulled he had to pull out of that 223 fight cuz conor put shards of glass in his body yep, yep. and now he misses weight here he's going in the wrong direction but he was tough in pettis man i look we we cheer for him he's only 31 we want him to come back and be that guy again what do you think went wrong is there anything to point at? what may have went wrong for him to fall for yeah i think he didn't
1: one thing pettis, he didn't he got he fell in love with his showtime shit my bad like his showtime this and didn't add more arsenal and one thing is like after every fight i work on one or two things new to add to my arsenal he doesn't do that he should work adding takedowns or just a takedown or and then because a lot of times when when you learn how to shoot takedowns you learn how to defend them as well that's one thing that's one thing like when i for me as a as an athlete when i learn something i also want to learn the counter as well you know and and i feel like he didn't learn takedown defense properly he there are a lot of things He, he he stayed too much in the um the passive, passive MMA, like, you know, whatever happens, I'll just take. But when it's striking, I'll go, go out there and get it. If he'd have the same mindset with striking, he did in grappling, he'd be hard to beat. I don't think anyone, honestly, I don't think anyone would beat him. If he, if he, if he had the same tenacity, because on striking, he's so creative, he, no one's really outstrike him. But if he had the same mindset for his grappling, he would be hard to beat. No one would take him down. He'd get takedowns. He'd be an animal.
0: Hey Kingbo when I hear you talk and get fired up, I'm thinking this guy's gonna be a coach one day. Am
1: I wrong on that? Uh I, I coach right now anyway, you know, but I just I, I coach guys at the gym. I'm I'm a part time coach at the gym as well as a trainer. All right. But you know
0: yeah. I mean we we got plenty of King Mo isms that are right. I mean hands plus wrestling still equal a problem where I come from, King Mo, all right? That's what I'm talking Heat plus volume equals Dillashaw. I mean there's a lot of King Mo math equations that work. The moment you make a machine think, it malfunctions. Anyway, King Mo, you know who malfunctioned? Gokensaki, the kickboxing legend? Is legend too strong of a word? And no, no, legend. Second UFC right. bout, he had a knockout of the night performance last September in his debut in Japan, and he got sent to hell. By Khalil Roundtree Jr. Uh, What's the storyline here? Big win for Roundtree or very big disappointment for Saki and his transition to full time MMA?
1: Uh not a big win for Khalil Roundtree because he's just fine a guy that's one and one or two and one. Um but the name, Saki, great, especially you knocked him outstanding. But big mistake on the UFC's behalf. Huge mistake. And I'll tell you why. Goku Saki's a big name, known in Europe. Known in Asia, big Turkish fan base, a lot of money in Turkey, a lot of money in Europe. Why not have him fight other strikers, other kickboxers for now until he learns more in the MMA game? You know, you, you did it with Connor, They did it with Connor. Why not do the same thing with Saki?
0: Give him that kung lee matchmaking. Come on, UFC. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like sometimes, like, look,
1: MMA is not is not a sport that we thought it was when when we first, It's not the same sport we thought it was when it hit Spike TV. It's entertainment. It's like boxing now. Like remember back, remember like eight years ago, man. I hope MMA become like boxing. Oh, this whole time when everyone was saying that I saw it become like boxing years ago, and guess what? MMA now is boxing in a sense. Fair. That's fair. Uh, you know what was arguably the
0: uh, outside of DC the most fun fight on this card? King Mo, middleweights, Paulo Costa proving that maybe, just maybe. He's more than a pretty face and some chiseled muscles because Uriah Hall was willing to go out on his damn shield. What a fight! I know Costa, two really bad low blows, which kind of took a little shine off of his performance. But Hall was in a position where he was going to make Costa finish him to win that fight. Second round TKO. Hella fun. Dana afterwards was praising Uriah Hall, saying that's the version that I thought he could become coming out of tough. Wow. I, you got me nervous about Costin like he wasn't for real. Is he for real after this or is this just a
1: good win? Just a good win. Think about this, man. Uriah Hall, like the fact that Dan White said, oh, this is what I want to see. I want to see Uriah Hall go out on the shield is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> because that could have ruined them. One, two, don't you want to see your fighters give, the, give it the best performance? Just because a guy loses, just because they show the toughness. We all knew Uriah Hall was tough. You know what I'm saying? We know he's tough. If Uriah Hall would have fought the way he fought Musashi the first time and use a slickness, you know what I'm saying? Because I missed the, I missed that fight, but if we show some slickness, you know what I'm saying? Like, Uriah Hall's hard to beat me slick, but for some reason, the MMA fans don't like slickness unless it leads to knockouts right away. Uriah Hall's slickness leads to knockouts after he's setting you up. It doesn't come right away, but I just don't, like, against a guy that's a bruiser and big and strong like that, you don't want to just, like, Be there just to get hit. You want to be slick, man. I missed the fight. I'm going to go back and watch it. I'll tell you what. He
0: he was slick in the first round. He boxed really well. His jab was really getting in Costa's way. Every time Costa would corner him, of course, Paula would throw big-time combinations, and you saw the power and the explosion. But then Hall would reset, go back to his jab. The problem was he got kicked and punched low, Uriah, Uriah Hall did, and it started to mess with him, and he started to point his finger at Paulo Costa. He started to talk trash. And then it turned into a brawl, and it was a bad idea to brawl with Paulo Costa in
1: the end. Uh, let me ask something: um, Did Uriah Hall go to the body at all versus Paulo Costa?
0: Not, not much. No, not much,
1: no. no. of course. Look, against someone like Paulo Costa's a big brute, musclehead, strong, throwing Brazilian. You gotta go to their body. All yeah. those guys like to throw heat, but Uri- Uriah Hall's so slick. Man, if I, if I could, if I, man, Uriah Hall's so slick. So athletic, striking is on point. I'm surprised no one told him to go, not, they didn't tell him to go to the body against uh, Paul Costa. But Paul Costa, man, he's young, big, strong. He's doing his thing right now, man. But I have a feeling that the moment he meets somebody like R- R- Ramiro, Whitaker, someone that has a gas tank, someone that has a, a good game, a solid game plan, someone has a solid base or something, because Paul Costa's base, I believe, is striking. So when, he, the moment he faces somebody with a solid, MMA base, this grappling base, he'll be in trouble.
0: I want to see him have to wrestle. I want to see him have to do some things. Dana, to, of course, said this guy's a future star. He's got the look. He's got everything. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know who looks really, really good, King Mo? And I was ready to call him. that. I thought it was going in the wrong direction. But 35-year-old Rafael Asuncao, yeah man, yeah. he came in ripped. He really looked good against Rob Font. He pretty much controlled the second half of that fight, got the decision. And now you look back at his record. He has one loss in the last seven years. The loss in his UFC 200 rematch to TJ Dillashaw. And I know a lot of people didn't think he beat Dillashaw the first time. I didn't think he beat Dillashaw the first time. But even if his only losses are to the current champion, he might be in that conversation now of needing a title shot soon. Because he's just putting away everybody on the B-level I think he deserves one more chance to face an A guy.
1: But my problem is one more chance. Hopefully, he gets a chance to face him on the on the pay per view card, not on the um,
0: you know, like prelims or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. That was a good looking
1: performance. Oh yeah, he had a great show. Great counter punching. Great, great range. Good jab. He was kind of punching his ass off that fight. He looked good. The other Anom- person
0: on the card who jumped through the screen at me was lightweight Dan Hooker. Knocked out Gilbert Burns in the first round, the New Zealander. He's on a run, and man, he made a pretty bold call afterwards saying, hey Dana, you're gonna get all these contenders hurt. Give me a top 10 guy. No more of these type of opponents. Give me a, give me the real guy. Uh, he said, put some respect on my name. So, uh, uh, you know he may he may he may end up looking at the lights when he starts to talk that boldly,
1: but I like oh, it. Oh, uh, like yeah, but you know what? That guy's a beast. I like what I see with him, like the way when he fought, the way he fight Mark DeCassi, and he went out there not scared. Like it's through, like I'm gonna tell you something. Those guys from New Zealand, the New Zealand and Australian guys don't care. They come to fight. Um, like they're creating. I don't know. It's just something. They're striking. It's a whole different level. But, but maybe probably because they're close to Thailand and um. Australia is, I think, the top fight country in the world right now, if you think about it. They have good – now you start to see better grappling there. The wrestling is starting to improve. Their kickboxing has always been on top. Their boxing has always been good. They've had legends of boxing. I think Australia might be the fight country of the world.
0: Wow. Wow. Down under there. Over, these yeah, these yeah, Kiwis. Over America.
1: Over America. Think about this. America, we don't support – we don't care. Like We just care about football and other things, basketball, baseball. We care about Australia, reality TV.
0: Come on. That's all people Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Reality TV. But, but Australia it's a fight. Even when you go to Australia itself, when you, I was in Sydney. People there are fighters. Just regular people are fighters. Kick, I'm, I'm talking, I saw someone, a woman shadow boxing. And I was like, man, you're, you're pretty, you're pretty sharp. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm dead serious, man. I'll, if you have a chance to go to Australia and just check out some of the gyms, the kickboxing gyms, check out some of the boxing gyms. You're just, I, I'm serious, man. Like, um, Australia might be the place to be. Um, you know, um, Jaquil Ron Canero told me, he's like, Mo, I flew in a guy from Australia. This guy was one of the best grapplers I've ever seen. I think he's, like, one of the top guys in grappling. And I'm like, from Australia? He's like, yeah. He's like, Mo, Australia's jujitsu jitsu game is starting to step up. Well, that's good
0: because their and, boxing game's horrible. They don't have a good rep, and uh, that's good that the MMA's turned around. We have a lot – by the way, we have a lot – of Australian listeners to this podcast a lot, they DM me all the time. My good man Omar Al Rashid among them. So I think a lot of people are going to like to hear you putting over. No, the, no, but, uh... but,
1: but think about this. But no, but think about this. The boxing in Australia ain't that bad. As you think it is? Think about it. Jeff Finnick. You used to go Costa Zoo. Um, the Raging Bull. You used to train there. Um, hey, the um, Hornet. Um, Jeff Horn. Victor, <laughs> yeah, Victor Chinian. But I mean, <laughs> Jeff Horn. You know, but then you then you, know, you got you got um the guy the New Zealand even even um um what's it called the uh, um Joseph Parker's from New Zealand, but New Zealand, Australia to me, I consider them one area. And you're starting to see more and more, more and more fighters from there. Even in Vegas, I start seeing, I'm starting to notice some more people from Australia and in and Hawaii, some. But I'll show there. Boxing, it's crazy, man. You're trying right. to see it.
0: All right, I got a couple rapid fire headlines. As before, we get out of here. The Friday night tough card I was at in Las Vegas. Did you have a chance to see the last style bender, Israel Adesanya take a decision from a determined Brad Tavares? In in my eyes, looked like a breakthrough, next level. Like like for real, this guy is everything I want in an MMA fighter. Tell me what you saw in that.
1: I think I I, I like what I saw. Um the, the the best thing about it is that weight class are not many good wrestlers besides Ramiro. Good point. And Ramiro's older. Um he'll probably be game for another two years. Israel at a time is gonna be hard to beat. It's gonna be hard to beat I can't I'm trying to think. Rock Hall – is Rock Hall still at one eighty five or is he going to He's up? talking
0: about moving up. I mean look, King with the way that style bender handles distance and the constant tiny little feints. You're, you're never at rest as an opponent. You're always like, I know he does the flashy stuff good. He does the bolo punches. He does all that stuff, but he's just, I'm really impressed that it's not just all flash. I see a lot of little smart things. He knows what he's doing in there. He knows what he's doing.
1: Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Um, he has great, great angles. The thing is, what well, I would, you know, hmm. I'm thinking, Paulo Costa versus, uh, versus Israel Adesanya. Ah,
0: yes. Get it, make book it, because, book you know,
1: it. Because the thing is, the guys, the guys that lost, the guys that beat Israel in kickboxing, I studied his kickboxing record, are solid guys. Um, um Jason Willinus, um, he lost to the dude that, um, this guy, he had a draw, he, I forgot, he's from Canada. He's Jamaican. All the guys that have beaten, um, Adesanya in kickboxing have been solid. His last two fights, he lost in kickboxing. I, but I'm, I'm, a computer in front of me, but, um, he, he lost to solid, uh,
0: Jason Willness
1: and Alex Pereira
0: well, in Glory. Yeah,
1: and, yeah, and then you keep on going down a little farther. The guys that beat him were solid, all solid fights. not Simon slash.
0: Marcus was the Canadian who beat
1: I'm, him. Yes, yeah, Simon, yeah, Simon. Marcus is very solid. Guys like him will. Guys like him, the guys like guys that um, are very good, not too flashy. Guys, let me say, like guy like Tim Duncan, like, like like guys like Tim Duncan is a guy that he scored forty points. You're like, man, how, he scored forty points. He didn't even cheer. Like, he's very solid fundamentally. A guy that's very solid fundamentally and will not get rattled by the showboat and the antics by Israel Adesanya. And a guy that's very durable can give him problems. But, that's, but that guy doesn't exist right now in the UFC. It might, could be Paulo Costa, but here's my problem with Paulo Costa. Can he go five rounds to Israel? Can he touch Israel? You know, does he have the takedown skills? Because it's like this, um, Tavares' tribe, his takedowns aren't good because he, he, was, he was behind um, Israel's hips. He behind, his hands are behind his knees. Um only person I can see really shooting takedowns like that really is Romero at one hundred eighty five and maybe Derek Br- Romero, Derek Bronson, um shoe face. Um, yeah. um, those are those are those are really it. Not too many good wrestlers in 185. I'd
0: love to see him against Whitaker down the road. I mean, that's a long way away, but that Whitaker that composed all around style that it'd be really good to see, you know, Israel against. But hey, speaking of Whitaker, speaking of the middleweight division, it was announced that Kelvin Gastelum will get the next title shot at Robert Whitaker for the middleweight belt, but it will come after they coach the tough season, which begins next week in Vegas. Will finish in November, so we're looking at possibly December, provided that Robert Whitaker's hand is healed. Are you down with that fight? Do you think Gastelum can win that fight?
1: Uh, that's weird because I figured they they, they should have Gastelum versus uh, Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman's is. won, been winning. I don't think he's won all his last fights. He beat he beat Gastelum. He did. Beat why not him.
0: have
1: Why not have Gastelum versus Weidman?
0: I'm 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 right with you on that. It's interesting. Hey, uh, Tito and Chuck, of course, the uh, famous old UFC legends are going to fight, going to fight under the uh Golden Boy MMA banner, whatever that means. But UFC oddly embraced them. I was at the Hall of Fame red carpet. They let Tito and Chuck come out. They let them talk about this fight, even though it's not with the UFC. They let them have this face off that was really intense. You may have saw it on social media. They almost pushed each other. They were both talking a lot of trash. They're both really old. Uh The 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 only question I have on this is Tito was really running his mouth. He's claiming there's neither of them are getting a purse for this fight, and they only get paid off of ticket sales and pay-per-view buys. And Tito said, hey, my last fight with Chuck, which, by the way, was at UFC 66, sold really well on pay-per-view. I think this one will be right with it. Kimo, is this going to be a train wreck on pay-per-view? Are people actually going to buy this?
1: Nah, people are going to stream it. I'm not going to buy it. Um, Two, where's the fight going to be held at? Because how could Chuck Liddell pass a – physical exam or, or yes. MRI.
0: Or how about a, he looks really jacked, by the way. He looked jacked in person and intense, but did you see Ray Ceppo put out some footage of, uh, of Chuck sparring and hitting the pads? Dude, he looked old and winded.
1: Yeah, but it, it could be, it could have been his first time, like, actually working out, or it could have been the end of the workout. You never know. It could be the end of the workout. Let's, like, look at his shirt. Is his shirt soaked? Um, is he dripped in sweat? Because if it's the end of the workout, Because sometimes at the end of the workout, you push yourself a little extra. And maybe they can record that, you know what I'm saying, just to throw it out there.
0: I don't know. I mean, like, I love old guy fights. I love carnival fights. But hearing Chuck talk, hearing him say, after this, I want two to three more fights. I want Vonderlay. I want Vitor. I want John Jones. I want to test that chin. That's when you start to go, wait, should this guy be fighting if he's going to make comments like this? Like, where are we going here? What
1: is this? What is happening? Well, nothing's happening. It's entertainment, remember. It's entertainment. It's like reality TV. What we see is real, but it's scripted. Like what we, what we saw with Chuck on the fight is real. But do you think he really wants to fight John Jones and them? Probably not. Yeah. He's insane. Of course he wants to fight John Jones. No, 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 he doesn't. If the money's right, he will. If they said, Hey, we want, we will fight John Jones for 10 grand, no pay-per-view buys, he'd be like, No, I'm okay on that. Trust me. It's all about the money, man. People will only do things. What's your price? Because if I said, "Hey, I got a hundred million for you. I want you to fight your wife, John Jones, (laughs) and so and so," you'd be like, "All right, I'm gonna tap my wife out. I'll get knocked out by John Jones. I'll take a knee or a leg kick from so and so." I love you. I'm saying like
0: you you think so highly of my BJJ game that I would tap the wife out. I like that. You know, I like that. Hey, uh, we got to close here. Boise, Idaho, Saturday night UFC Fight Night. Do you care, King Mo, about Junior Dos Santos against this feller they call Blagoy? Ivano. Good yeah. fight
1: or what? What Begoia. do you like? What do you like about this? Anything? Yeah, I just try I train with both guys. I think it's a good fight. What? Is it free? Yeah. <laughs> right? Is it free? <laughs> hey, Did we get who do you think wins? Is this a is this a jds big win? Comeback win look good? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, JDS can win, but but is tricky. I know he trains with a guy named Rodney Christler. Rodney Kressler is a good boxing coach out there. I used to I used to spar his guys in um, at the Mayor of the boxing gym. Um yeah, Vagoya has underrated grappling. He's got to beat Fedor in combat sambo. He can throw real good, has a good guillotine, can really fight. He's a southpaw, but he's really right-handed. So he'll switch stances. He's durable. My only problem with him is his gas tank because he got stabbed years ago Ooh. and was in a coma. Yeah, he almost died when he was in Bellator and then he, then he got oh, released. That's but... not... Oh, I forgot that ever happened. Wow. All right. He, 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 he can still see his stab, stab wounds in his neck. So he's tough as nails. Junior has got to knock him out to win. Um, Junior, to go, go for the knockout. Good fight. I, I think Junior's gonna win though.
0: Junior's gonna win and then get the Stipe trilogy. Hey, whoa, hey, who knows, who knows, King Bo, I wanna ask you this. So Chad Mendez comes back Saturday night after three years off. Of course, he had that two year, uh, suspension with Usada. He's gonna face Miles Jury. He's 33 years old. Uh, do we have hopes that he could make another title run? That we could one day see him against the Ortegas and Holloways of the world at Featherweight?
1: I think he'll get another title run. I think that I think that from what I from what for what I know about this guy, Chad Mendes, he's a hard worker, very de- dedicated. And another thing is, I could before he before he um before he got suspended, you can see him starting to unwind, kind of like kind of fall apart a little bit. And I think this this two years off might give him a chance to let his body heal, let his mind right get right, and then come back, re- re- refocus, and rejuvenate it because. When he lost to Connor, he took the fight at short notice. Then he came back and got stopped by, um, Frank Yeager, if my memory's surging me right. He got stopped in the first round with a left hook, I believe. Yes. Or six rounds. Yeah, um, so yeah, I think this two years off, possibly three years off would give him a chance to get his body feeling right, get stronger, get faster, become a better athlete, become a better fighter, come back and get that, get that belt that's been eluding him.
0: Hey, this card's sneaky good in terms of just names, like Sage, Sage Northcuts in the co-main event looking for his third straight win. We got Kat Zingano against Marion Renault. I don't know if I'm just like a, a Kat Zingano super fan. I know she's coming off three straight losses. I always feel like she's one win away from like fighting Cyborg or fighting Nunez for the title again. Well, she's 36. Is, is it over? I, I don't know. You, you, it's never over until the person decides for it to be over. Okay. Because I'm still I still believe that Kat if she didn't lose in fourteen seconds to Ronda could have made that a fun fight.
1: Well, well think think about this, think about this, right? You're asking me if it's over, she's thirty six years old. Well, Arlosky is it over for him? No. Arlosky's still fighting. He's yeah, still being right. competitive in the fights. Yeah, right. You know, um and you know, you, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but he's been learning these new tricks and he's still still competitive against these young guys. Um I really think that um, when it comes down to it, going to have her hands full because um, what's, I, I forgot I, I butchered her name. It's Moreau or yeah, Marianne
0: Renault.
1: Yeah, Renault. I think that um, she's hard, man. She's she's crafty. She's like she nice. she gave she gave she gave she gave, she gave um, Holly home fits. She gives everybody fits. No one can really no one can really no one. I, if, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, she, she like, all her losses are by decision. Like she's like one or two losses by decision, right? Yeah, like she's hard to. Her style is really awkward, and I think that she didn't give Cat problems. Cat can't move that good like her.
0: All right, last question. There's two Bellator fight cards this weekend. Friday night, Bellator 202 in Thackerville, Oklahoma. We have Julia Budd in the main event, defending her women's or in a featherweight women's featherweight title bout against Noguera. We have Michael McDonald, Eduardo Dantes in the co-main bantamweights. I like Ooh. that one. Saturday it's- night, we have Bellator 203 in Rome, Italy. Or maybe it's not night, but uh we're gonna get. Patricio Freire, Daniel Weichel two for the featherweight title. Also Koreshkov on that card. What's the best fight coming out of Bell this weekend? Which one are you looking forward to? I like Pitbull here against what against Daniel Weichel. That's not bad.
1: I like I like that, but I like McDonald. I'm gonna see if McDonald does Dantes, because Dantes can fight. Um if McDonald say McDonald's up there and smash the Dantes, and we, we got we got we got um You got Cogwell versus McDonald.
0: Yes, yes. I like McDonald a lot. I hope he has a chance to really do something with Bellator. King Mo, that'll wrap it up. We went all the way through UFC 226 and back. Follow us on the social webs at B Campbell CBS. In this corner, CBS and King Mo FH. Until we meet again, King Mo. Continued success in the gym. We want to see you back and win that money weight title. Come on. Oh yeah, man,
1: I'm working on it man. But don't forget man, look, give me on the boxing podcast too with you man. Oh, it's I coming. got some knowledge
0: man. It's coming, your brother oh, drops some knowledge to... all over us. It's coming, it's coming. King Mo, great talking to you. Do you want to give right. uh, any message to the people?
1: Yes, we are out.